Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, you know what I need? I got you, bro. I know you do. No, no, no. Bro, he said me. I don't know what you're doing, bro. I don't know what you're doing, bro. I don't know what you're doing, bro. No! Stop! 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 Each other to try to do the jersey swap with Stephon Gilmore. This is so good. So that was that was. That was after the Cowboys' Week 13 Sunday night blowout of the Colts. And it really wasn't a blowout until the fourth quarter when it literally. It was like 21 19 with 11 minutes left in the game, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was getting interesting. Right. And then, and then not. But uh, it got interesting afterward with Parsons and Diggs trying to get the Gilmore jersey. Now they can fight with each other over getting his practice jersey because <laughs> Stephon Gilmore, the 2019 NFC, NFL Defensive Player of the Year, is now in the NFC, traded to the Cowboys for a fifth-round pick. Um, and, you know, from the perspective of the Cowboys, who had done nothing so far this week, it becomes huge news because, number one, they're the Cowboys, but, number two, it's the first slash only thing that they did by way of bringing in someone from the outside. Yeah, right, right. They they re-signed Donovan Wilson, their safety, right? We They readjusted Michael Gallup's contract. Uh, but this is the first major Leighton move. Leighton Vendorish. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly right. I mean, he was a tackling machine for them last year, had a good good year. So, hey, we know their, their roster's talented, that's for sure. I think this is one area that, yeah, they needed to do something I think when you break it down, first off, Stephon Gilmore is still a pretty damn good player. I mean, he's not defensive player of the year, just total island shutdown corner anymore, but he could still play. You know, this, the other thing that I think is is beautiful about this is, hey, it, he's running. He's going to be running the very similar defensive scheme. Gus Bradley, Dan Quinn, they're both from the Seattle coaching tree there. So there's a lot of similarities there. And then I think it protects the Cowboys. One, hey, he's a good player and he's going to help us. But two, you know, let's not forget, Mike, you know, uh, they have – what, two injuries to their guys last year, right? I'm going to get them mixed up here. But Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, I think we're dealing with one ace or no, one Liz Frank and one Achilles, Achilles tear, right? So you don't know exactly where they're going to be as far as especially at the start of the season. They got Deron Bland, who's a hell of a corner. But I think this gives them a little depth, a little insurance, a little wiggle room, and of course, in case some of those guys don't maybe you know, uh, develop from the injury the way they would like. 
Anthony Brown, a free agent, also for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, so free Gilmore agent too, yeah. is in. Right. They were they reportedly tried to trade for, or at least explored trading for Darius Slay, the Eagles cornerback who was on the market, but then said he's not on the market, doesn't want to be traded. The Cowboys at least looked into that, and it's not unprecedented for teams to do trades within the division, but it does, it does if it happens, add a little more juice to the rivalry. That didn't happen. It's Stephon Gilmore in, and the Cowboys have made at least one move so far this year by way of bringing in someone from the outside. The Eagles have not traded Darius Slay, but they have made a couple of moves. They're keeping, dare I say, holding on to James Bradbury, <laughs> the cornerback that we spent so much time talking about in the aftermath of the Super Bowl, with the clear hold that people are still upset was called, even though you grab the jersey, you pull the jersey, what what, what, you, what is it? What, what, what else is it? He is staying with the Eagles on a three-year deal, uh, and uh, that, that's good for the Eagles because so far it had been free agents out the door, none of them staying put. They managed to keep James Bradbury. Yeah, the fact that I think you know they couldn't re-sign Javon Hargrave and they were in that conversation, you know, lose T.J. Edwards. I think you know those those two things and that not happening, Kazir White out the door, or they, they had some you know room or some wiggle room here with their their money situation to pay James Bradbury, who's still a really damn good player. So you know, good for him. He's going to help their football team out. But, yeah, yeah, I think he was a little bit of a, oh, wait, we didn't get these guys, so now we'll definitely get you. And we'll see where else the the rest of this goes. I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, right? He's a hell of a safety. I'm actually surprised he hasn't been signed out there yet as far as a free agent goes. I don't get that. Yeah, he's asking for too much money. I think he's one of the ones that wants more. I I think he wants too much money or he'd be signed by now. Yeah, it has to be because he's too damn good of a player, but he must have priced himself a little bit out of the market here, you know, a lot like it seems like what happened to Orlando Brown. Um, But, man. Yeah, they've lost some players, uh, and they're not going to look exactly the same, but we know this is still one of the better rosters in the game. Um, another guy that they lost, you see it there, Kaiser White. He goes to the Cardinals. He he just kind of was one of those guys that popped up everywhere in the Super Bowl. And he's a West Virginia guy, so I have to, you know, I have hey, to have he's a, a player, man. extra yeah. love for him. But he, he played really well in the Super Bowl, and they're going to miss him. And it's it's just good for Arizona to be doing something. I just feel like the Cardinals are just kind of there right now, and they're in that weird limbo with Kyler Murray's ACL, and what are they really doing for the present? What are they doing for the future? So they do something by getting Kaiser White to sign. Yeah. But it's just another guy gone. And the Eagles knew this was going to happen. I'm sure they have a plan for it, but if you're an Eagles fan, it's got to hurt to see all these guys that were key pieces of your run to the Super Bowl now walking out the door. Yeah, it's a special group. I mean, that was that was a special team. That was a Super Bowl team. You know, they just ran into a really special Super Bowl team that was willing to overcome the fact that the Eagles were actually the better football team on the field. It was pretty amazing. But, yeah, it's good for the Cardinals. You said it because you're white. He's with Jonathan Gannon. He can, you know, can kind of start that culture for him and be a, an ambassador in the locker room a little bit for the, the new head coach. That makes sense. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the Eagles, it's going to be a different look. But we know they got some assets. And, hey, you know, what they did even at the running back position, Mike, I kind of, I, I kind of like that move. We'll see if the guy can stay healthy, but I like it. Rashad Penny the former first-round pick from San Diego State of the Seattle Seahawks, who has had many injury issues. Man. And 
he had a great explanation last year of how hard it is to stay healthy as a running back in the NFL. And it was a very heartfelt and very raw assessment of everything he's been through to get to where he is. And then he suffers a broken bone in his leg, I think pretty much the next game. So he's recovering from that, but the Eagles apparently confident with where he is. They bring him in. Uh, they keep Boston Scott, and that that apparently means no room at the end for Miles Sanders. Right. Uh, he's tweeted what appears to be a farewell to the Eagles, to the city of Philadelphia. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So uh, when when they make the move for Rashad Penny and keep Boston Scott, I think you come to the conclusion that Miles Sanders is moving on. But the reality with running backs, the, the money just isn't there. I know David Montgomery has signed with the – Lions after his time with the Bears, but it's still not, you know, eight figures per year, and only the rarest of the rare running back is going to get that kind of money. Yeah, that, that, the, you said it right. It's going to—it's only the elite of the elite that's going to get that kind of money, right? Rashad Penny could be like—he's got the type of talent, Mike. You you described it when he's healthy. Where we could be sitting here if he stays healthy next year, and we go, I don't know—is he the best running back in football, or or don't be shocked if he leads the league in rushing. Uh, he's he's that type of talent. He's got unreal quickness. He's got I can run for a fifty yard touchdown type of speed. He's got some thickness and some power to his game. You know his his ability when he's available is the real deal. And to me, it's, this is one area like for Philadelphia where if you looked at their roster, you went, wait, this is one where there's there's a little meat left on the bone. If they got a, a difference making running back, you'd go, oh wow, how do you ever stop this crew right here? So you add him, and you got Boston Scott, like you said. They still got Kenneth Gainwell on the roster and wouldn't be shocked because you've got to be scared about Rashad Penny's health a little bit. They're going to draft a running back, I would think, somewhere in you know the mid-rounds and, and try to you know fill out the rest of the, the roster or depth at that position. Running backs are available throughout the draft. Running backs are available undrafted. They come in young. They come in with full tread on the tire, and they come in with a much cheaper overall financial obligation and lower cap number than some of these veteran running backs do. It's one of the reasons why we advocate all the time for some different system, and I'm not smart enough to come up with what the system is. We're barely smart enough to recognize the problem. Don't expect us to solve it, but that is the one position where, the, in many cases, the best years of your career are burned up while you're under this slotted contract and you never get rewarded for it. Um, at a minimum, I just like, I'd like to see them go back to being able to sign guys after two years, not three. That's one of those sneaky, we've mentioned this recently, one of those sneaky tweaks in the 2011 CBA. Hey, we're going to take away the money that the rookies used to make because some of them end up not being good and it takes money out of the system. Okay, fine. Why are you why are you preventing them from getting their reward when they turn out to be great? Why are you making them wait three years to get their reward? You're taking the money out of the pockets of all of these guys. But what about the ones who earned it? Yeah. Especially the running back. Yeah. They're earning it with fifteen hundred rushing yards and right. seventeen touchdowns, but they have to wait three years. They may have nothing left by the time the three years come and go. So I'd, I'd like to – let's not forget that. As these other guys are getting big money and the running backs are waiting, one of the reasons they're waiting is, for, for most of them, the best years are behind them and they yeah. know there's a fresh crop of guys that are going to be cheap that have their best years right in front of them. they got to fix it. 
they got it. We need great running backs in the game, right? We want that. We don't want, you know, this to end up being a wait. There, you know, we continue down this path here. Next five, ten years, you're, we're going to get to a point. I think at some point where we're going to go. Damn, running backs are just not that talented anymore. And it's going to be because of what we talked about last week. They're going to go, well, damn, they're all playing receiver because they said screw playing running back. You know, can they find a way, Mike, like you said, kick around? I've kicked around ideas of like make the running back only count for fifty percent of the salary cap, or you know, even hey, if you're you're a if you're not a first round pick and you're top ten in rushing. You know, you get a huge lump sum bonus from the team or the league, and it doesn't count against the salary cap, right? To think about guys like Alfred Morris back in the day with the the Washington football team, or you know, even Arian Foster, right, undrafted, but there they are, the second year in the league, they're they're leading the league in rushing, and they're getting paid pennies, they're getting nothing, right? Can we come up with a system to go? Whoa, wait, you were the number three running back in football last year, okay? You know, we give you, you know, a, a bonus that's justified to, to make you look like one of the top five, ten running backs. I, they could figure it out if they want to. They can. Uh, it just doesn't seem and, fair to those guys, like you said. They have something similar to that, and you don't hear much about it anymore, but they'll give guys extra money based upon how much they play, not yeah, based on what right, they do. Right. But if you're, you know, a seventh round draft pick, and you're not making anything. You can get a really big check. If all of a sudden you're thrust in the lineup and it comes from a league wide fund. So I kind of like this idea, a league wide fund that isn't based on playing time, a league wide fund that is based on production, right? Almost like an incentive that is available to you, no matter who you play for, it doesn't come out of your team's pocket. It comes out of this broader pot of money that is out there to reward guys who go out and get the job done. And, oh, is it fair to the linemen? Because they're not the ones who generate the stats. But the point here is let's help the running backs. Let's come up with some way to help supplement running back pay so these guys have more during the years where they are at their highest value to a team because the clock ticks more quickly for them than it does for other players at other positions. And before you know it, they're either out of the league or they find themselves standing around the room in free agency saying, when's someone going to call me? I mean, look, Alexander Madison is a competent young running back who's got four years in with the Vikings. His name hasn't been mentioned all week until just now. Yeah. Where's, wh- who's who's going to sign him? There's so many running backs out there that it's just crickets. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that idea. Thank you. I like that idea. I'm not smart enough to come up with a solution, but but a guy who usually is penny-pinching has come up with a way to spread some money around, and yeah, I like it. I'm going to have to pull that thread well, a little bit and see where it goes. Well, yeah, right, we got to do it. I, go I like it, and you said it right. These are freaky athletes, some of the freakiest guys in the world, and I, I just, in my experience, handing the ball off to guys like Cadillac Williams and Mike Allstott, I, I can't tell you how many times, to your point, Mike, I stood behind them and went, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that collision. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that run. My neck would have broke three times on that play, and they're still running and breaking tackles. It's unbelievable, and it's not fair to them. It's it's borderline abuse, and I hope they can fix it. And to the extent that young players who are the best athletes on the field, who in past years would become the Jim Browns of the world. Yeah. Right? You're the running, you're clearly far and away the guy that no one else can catch. And when they catch you, they don't know how to get you to the ground. Right, right. So you just become running back and you stay running back. Guys are pivoting away from that because it's a bad business model. It's in the NFL's interest 
to have these guys choose to remain running back. Yeah. It's in the NFL's interest to have these great. So, so it's collectively when they get together for the collusion meetings coming up in 10, 11 days in Arizona, maybe they should start talking about ways to incentivize those young guys who are the best athletes on the field to continue to choose to be running backs and make it worth their while to come, even if that candle's going to burn brightly, come to that position in the NFL and be that guy that that drives fantasy football interest, which is clearly important to the NFL. Creates star players that we all want to have their jersey and follow them and 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 appreciate the things they can do. I think there is something there. The problem is, you know, the union is all one collection of all players. It was an effort a few years ago to break out the running backs into their own bargaining group it, it didn't go anywhere but th- there should be there should be greater attention paid to the fact that these guys are in car crashes all the time as you say chris and uh they get chewed up and spit out before they get a chance to get rewarded for what they did let's find a way to reward them for what they did while they were doing it yeah that's exactly right well said all right well uh a guy who still is waiting for his financial reward. And as of today at 4 o'clock, is able to talk to any team that would be willing to potentially part with a couple of first-round picks. Lamar Jackson, he's he's provided an, an answer Uh-oh. to the question of whether or not he'll be hiring an agent as his foray into franchise tag free agency begins. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. So, this is the tweet from Baltimore Beatdown. Shefty on his podcast said that Lamar Jackson turned down $200 million guaranteed back in September. And as he does from time to time, and Sims and I have been on the wrong end of this, here comes the gif on the retweet with Lamar Jackson. Now, uh, he, he used the LeBron James gif when retweeting the clip of us talking about a certain marketing deal that went haywire because he doesn't have an agent. And that's uh, another expression of disagreement and or disapproval with the message that was articulated. So the more important tweet is the one that followed that one. Right. Because I don't even get when it. When you read between the lines and you don't have to read all that deep between the lines. One hundred and thirty three million, three years fully guaranteed. But I need an agent. Now, here's what I've managed to discern. That, and when I first saw it, I thought, oh, my gosh, does he have a contract? Has he has he negotiated a three-year, $133 million contract with the Ravens that we didn't know about? Is it just a matter of time before they announce it? What he's referring to there is that the offer that he rejected would have paid out $133 million fully guaranteed over the first three years. That That's what he means. There were other guarantees that would have kicked in as the contract unfolded right but that was that was the deal so regardless of what he did or didn't reject his point is i was able to get them to make an offer that i refused to accept without an agent of that magnitude so i don't need an agent if i can get the ravens to offer me 133 million fully guaranteed over three years i don't need an agent that's the message that he's sending there so the broader indication is as he goes into a very delicate minefield if he even knows how to open the gate and step into it because 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine anybody without representation trying to navigate all of the various things that go on when you try to get teams to maybe bring you in for a visit and then maybe sign you to an offer sheet or maybe trade for you when you are a franchise tag player, non-exclusive, and can talk to any team that has a first-round pick this year and next year and maybe explore a trade. You need an agent now who has the relationships, who can pick up the phone, who can get to a level of comfort, can negotiate the contract, come up with the teams that may be interested, try to make something happen where you get a team that that is serious about pursuing Lamar Jackson. As I said last week, and I'm not changing my position here, he needs an agent now more than ever, and it's sad that he doesn't get it, and it's only hurting him. That that's See, I really hope I get to the point where I just don't care anymore and say, fine, fine, fine. Go ahead and screw your life up. Fine. Don't get paid for everything you've done and everything you're going to do. Go ahead and play year to year. I mean, because when we when we try to help him, what happens? People are like, you hate Lamar. Why? You're trying to help the agents. You're just trying to help pr- pursue and preserve your flow of information. That's the only reason you're doing it. You're just trying to help well, the agents. You don't, you don't care about Lamar. If we didn't care about Lamar, we would sit back and say nothing yeah. and let this disaster continue to play or out. Or maybe be like those people who yell at us and be like, what are the you? agents later? Yeah, yeah you're right, Mike. I, I'm with you. Or yell at the people that are yelling at us and be like, wait, wait, does, uh, actually... We're doing something that we think – well, not that we think. We know. We know is positive, Lamar. You're wanting him to go down some path of craziness that has proven not to be tried and true and is, is well orchestrated as having an agent, but you think you're right in that, and I want to go, no, you're actually gambling with somebody else's life. That's easy to do and talk about. I don't think exactly. you care about Lamar Jackson. We are the ones that care about him. We're the ones that have been around the NFL for a long, long damn time. We're the ones that have known big-time, awesome NFL quarterbacks, and they all got agents. Because like you said, it's there's a ton of details that go into this. I don't know anybody in the business that thinks this is a good thing for Lamar. I mean, nobody. It's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, it really is. He's stubborn. I don't know what else to say. You know, it's part of the reason he's an awesome football player, but... Yeah, there's money being left on the table everywhere. It's crazy, you know? And, yeah, he sends out, you know, emojis like that. I just – I don't even know what to think. I I know what I said was true, and he sent out the eye-rolling thing. It's true, 100%. So, you know, I I just – I'm frustrated in the fact that, yes, it's like we're watching a horror story here. Like, it's just going down, and you're going, oh, my gosh, is this going to happen? He's screwing himself over, and I don't understand why – and uh, he should just have more money in the bank at this point, and uh, we shouldn't be still having this conversation that we're having right now. Two, two points. You mentioned having more money in the bank. Here's the reality. Josh Allen has made more than $41 million more than Lamar Jackson over the last two seasons because Josh Allen did his deal after three years. He has an agent. They got the deal done. They knew when to say yes. And that $41 million that that Josh Allen has made, that that's that money is never going to be matched. That's never coming back. Those two years are gone forever. Josh Allen is into the next year of his second contract, and he's another year closer to his third contract. Lamar Jackson has postponed by two years his second contract, and he's missed out on the $41 million that Josh Allen has made and banked. And, yes, he's paid agent fees, but 
But 97% of $41 million is a hell of a lot more valuable than 100% of nothing. So that's one point here. Yep. And the other side of it, you know, these people that are cheering him on, you hit the nail on the head. We love it when guys bet on themselves because it's entertaining as we sit back and watch. These folks are bystanders at the craps table. And Johnny High Roller is there. Yeah, right. And he's betting on himself. Right, right. And we're rooting for him. Yeah. This is great. Roll those dice. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Right. Oh, oh you sorry. lost. It didn't work out. Yeah. Sucks for you. Yeah, right. All right, we're going to go to this other. We're, we're going go to the other table and watch something now. over there. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It does. You got people arguing. You got, I don't know what you're arguing. We're, we're, we're again, sticking up for Lamar. We might be getting animated and, and frustrated because it, it is frustrating. And, and you know, to, to that, again, I mean, here we are, you know, close to the official start of free agency, even though we know it unofficially started. I mean, I, I again, haven't But for heard. him, it starts at four. He can't talk to – but see, that, 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 see that's, that's another reality. thing. Peter King made this point right. on Friday. Peter King made this point. Okay, even though he officially can't talk to anybody until today at yeah, 4 o'clock Eastern, right. if he had an agent, that agent would have been in Indianapolis two weeks ago laying the foundation for what happens at 4 o'clock Eastern today. Yes, right. Trying to leverage relationships to get somebody, even if you're not interested, can you do me a solid here and act like you're interested? Is there a way we can do something here? Because I think just with a little push here, maybe one of these other teams will come out of the woodwork and maybe put together an offer sheet. Can you help me out here? I mean, th that's where, see, and I understand, look, if I, if I was 21, 22, 23, 24 years old and my focus was football and I don't understand the business side of it, I wouldn't even begin to comprehend what's happening and how complicated it is. It took me 20 years in the business to even get to the point where I can semi-coherently explain how it works. So it's just – it's sad that and, – and really, I mean, I refuse to relent on this point even though we're caught in this weird spot where people think we hate Lamar and we want something bad to happen. We want something good to happen. We want him to have someone who shepherds him through this very difficult process. We want him to understand before it's too late, and the problem is it's already too late. That's the core here. It is that stubbornness. He doesn't want to admit he was wrong, directly or indirectly, so he's going to continue to double down and triple down, and it's sad because the $41 million over the last two years is gone and it's never coming back. The endorsement opportunities that were there are gone and they're never coming back. And go ahead, go ahead. Somebody make a clip of this and, Le and uh, you know, whether it's LeBron James or somebody else with a, a gif that Lamar uses to express disagreement, it's the truth. It is 100% true. Look at the endorsements he has and ask yourself, ask yourself, is a guy who was the MVP in the second year of his career is this really the portfolio of sponsorships that this guy should have? Or should he have a hell of a lot more yes. than that? Patrick right. Mahomes was the MVP the second year of his career. And and I, I remember they had to deliberately slam the brakes. There were so many opportunities for him. Um, so you got to have somebody who knows how to get the deals done that are on the table and somebody who knows how to go out and find deals that aren't on the table. That's what an agent does. And you may resent having to pay them a percentage of the money that you think you've earned, but they're the ones helping you line up these opportunities that otherwise you just can't line up on your own as proven by the fact that Lamar Jackson 
is woefully behind some of the other stars of the sport when it comes to what they're making off the field. Yeah, well, that, that's simple. And and remind, I'd like to remind people, and again, not, not that you have to settle on this, but you know, 133 through the first three years, and practically more than that, is is the one of the greatest contracts in the history of football. Uh, the, that that's that's also there's this yeah why didn't he sign it there's just great this, job you yeah. negotiated it for yourself why didn't you take it right and it probably would have been more money than that you know because yeah it was three years 133 where oh yeah realistically they could get out after that right with like an 80 million dollar dead cap hit okay so they're not so it's going to go into another year and you had more money right so that's where and it's just it's just an obsession with the it seems like the deshaun watson con- contract I, I don't get it. But, yeah, you said it right, Mike. I mean, there's three active MVPs in football right now. It's him, Rodgers, and Mahomes, right? It's all there's been. And he, you know, like you said, Mahomes is everywhere. It's Netflix specials. He's got, the, he's got a commercials for everything. You know, Rodgers, it's, it's whatever he wants. And he had that huge State Farm deal forever. Um, but, yeah, it's just dropping the ball here. And it is frustrating. And, and then also on top of that, I mean – you know, that, I don't know. Is is somebody realistically going to get involved in the conversation with Lamar? Do you think that's going to happen? You know, what's your gut on that, Mike? Do you think a Washington starts to flirt with them a little bit, or somebody else that we're not thinking of gets in gets in a phone call with Lamar today? Washington is the one that I've continued to keep an eye on. Now they've done some deals over the past couple of days. It may have burned up you know, big chunk of the cap space they created when they extended the Deron Payne contract. So they may have to do some other things. Because if you're going to do a deal like this, it does take a significant amount of cap money. If it's going to be a five million or excuse me, a five year fully guaranteed contract, you need to have about 20, 25 million in cap space. You can activate right away to structure it in a way that it, that it works under the rules of the CBA. And they could create some cap space. But you have to have, from the day you sign under the offer sheet, you have to have the cap space in place to do that deal. And it has to stay there until the moment that the situation's resolved. And the Ravens would have five business days to match. So I, I'm fascinated by the possibility the commander's doing it. But I also, I can't help but wonder whether or not Steve Bishotti, the owner of the Ravens, would match a five-year fully guaranteed offer made by Daniel Snyder. Anybody else? All right, sorry, too rich for my blood. Off you go. I'll take the two first round picks. If it's Snyder, and it's you know given the proximity, yeah, given the attitudes the that right. the other some of the other owners have, uh, we'll we'll just we'll just go ahead and match it. And how can the other owners be mad at Steve Bashotti if all he's doing is exercising his right to match the contract that one of the other owners gave to Lamar Jackson? Uh, I know. I, I mean, I, I've certainly we've talked about that possibility. I don't know what to think there as far as Daniel Snyder. I could also see him like if he, you know, is wanting to sell the team, maybe he doesn't want to leave the next owner with a superstar quarterback that he didn't get to benefit from either. You know, he's a little but all he can he can take the credit. Yeah, you're right. I guess he, he can, can take, take the, the credit. credit. You're right. Team's better because of me. I know, I know. But I don't know if he'll feel a whole lot better if they're in the NFC championship game and you go, Well, they're in the NFC championship game because you're not there. They finally got some, you know, uh, dysfunction out of the building. Yeah, yeah, but but you're right. I, I don't know what to think there. I, I'll be shocked. I've heard nothing tangible to think that there's another team out there laying in the weeds or anything like that. And I think it's just going to continue to sit here and be status quo with Lamar. Um, and it's going to be Ravens or nothing when it's all said and done. But, but again, if he had an agent, all this could have been done weeks ago. And you would know who's there. 
you would know who's ready. You stoke that sense of competition just like they did last year with Deshaun Watson. It felt like a game was being played in March of last year when you've got the Saints and the Panthers and the Falcons and the Browns all clamoring to try to get him. It was exciting. What's going to happen? Who's he going to sign with? Who's out first? Who's out second? Oh, he's whittled it down. It was like watching a reality TV show. It was entertaining. It was far more entertaining than standing at the craps table watching some guy gamble with his own money. That's for damn sure. And, and uh, you know, the Browns get kicked out, and then all of a sudden they're back in. Wait, the Browns are back in? How are the Browns back in? And that's where that five-year fully guaranteed contract came from. You need an agent to set it up. You need an agent to make it work. You need an agent to even get to the point where you can have meaningful conversations. Because, Chris, let's say 4 o'clock comes around today. And, and let's say that, that there's a team out there that's been – waiting quietly for this moment to pounce. First of all, you got to get in touch with Lamar Jackson. Now, I would assume they work through the union. The union's having their meetings right now uh, this week in, in Maui, but you know, they're, 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 by, by 4 o'clock, everybody will be awake in Maui. You can get somebody on the line, but you know, it's just not as easy. It adds steps. you got to get his attention. Then you got to negotiate. you got to negotiate with a guy who I believe, Chris, doesn't think negotiation is necessary. I think that's been the core problem. He just believes all I have to do is sit back and say, I was the 2019 MVP. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's right. But then the next step is just put on the table what I want. Why should I have to ask for anything? Why should we have to go back and forth? You should just give me what I want. And I think that's been one of the big reasons why he hasn't gotten a deal done. At some point, he's got to do a contract with somebody. That's the reality. A deal has to get done somewhere or it's going to be year to year with the Ravens. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. And he does a deal with somebody at some point after that, yeah. if he ever does one. Well, that that's where, you know, we, you and I went back to, you know, last week in our arguing session there and, and the fun we had around this conversation is just that, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I think part of the reason why I think some teams probably were like, okay, wait, yeah, we're not interested in Lamar because they just were like, oh, they've heard the, the horror stories like we've heard a little bit. To where they go, oh yeah, maybe we like the player, but I don't know. I mean, can we ever get it? Can we ever really get the deal done with them? I think there's part of that too that probably led to a little bit of the the disinterest in Lamar that you know we weren't quite expecting. Uh, just the, all that comes along with that is is a it's a tough situation, uh, and and I think that's why Baltimore probably goes non-exclusive franchise tag because they're going. I don't know. I, we don't have faith he can get a contract done with anybody. So. Let's just put this one out there and not give him an extra free $13 million on top of what we you know, can do with the non-exclusive franchise tag. See, I'm, I, I think it's got the potential to be a very interesting story, and I always root for a great story. I like the idea that someone will pursue him. I like that someone will give him the contract he wants, and he gets what he's trying to get without having to go out and hire an agent. But it's much harder to do, and there is a very real chance that no one pursues him he signs no offer sheet, and then he and the Ravens are back at the point where they're staring at each other, waiting for someone to, 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 to cave in. And you get to July 17 because the 15th lands on a weekend this year. July 17 is the deadline for doing a long-term deal. You get to the next day, and where are you? One year, $32.4 million. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not playing for $32.4 million on a one-year deal. I say to the Ravens, I want 45 on a one-year deal. Because after the deadline comes and goes – 
You can't do a multi-year deal. Yeah, but they can give a sweetener. But you can still do a one-year deal for any. They can give a sweetener. In the past, we've seen teams say, if you reach a certain performance level, we won't apply the franchise tag. That happened with guys like, I think, Albert Hainsworth and Lance Briggs. But you can, you can say, we'll pay more than 32-4. That, that is permissible under the CBA, and that may be where this fight ultimately lands. And you made a great point, and this is something that – you know, I, I've tried to acknowledge as it would explain why teams aren't interested. If you do become the new employer of Lamar Jackson and you want to keep him for the balance of his career and you do a five-year deal, one of the things you have to acknowledge, before too long, we're going to be at a point where we, re- we need to renegotiate. We need to do business with him. And look at how the Ravens have struggled to do business with him. We don't want to be in that situation. That's we prefer a, to live yeah. in a world where... I know exactly who to call. I press the button on my phone. It's somebody I talk to every other day who represents five, six, seven, ten of our players, and we can we can do whatever we need to do. We know how to get these deals done, and it's not a headache. It's not so different than what we're used to doing. People who do business a certain way like to do it that way. They don't like these unexpected twists and turns that require so much time and effort and consternation. And And again... If I was 25, I would not understand that. I only understand it because I've been doing this and covering this sport for more than 20 years. Yeah, I, I agreed. And agreed. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, that's the point I was trying to make. That's exactly right. It's just, it's all that goes into it. I think it scares some teams too. And as we know, the NFL people in front offices and all that, hey, yeah, it's their job, it's their business, it's their livelihood, and they're conservative by nature, anyways. So, a situation like this is literally like crazy to them. And that's what I think would scare teams off from maybe wanting to go down the Lamar road and, and what all that could you know entail and, and have to deal with uh, over the next few years. All right, let's take a quick break. Some rapid-fire running back free agency news. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When he started recruiting and talking to me and all that, he he wouldn't even, like, try and recruit me. He's just like, hey, when are we getting to work? We're wasting time. You know, uh, know, time's ticking. And I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. But time... We'll get there. But, uh, you know, I think that our relationship has grown through this process, and I look forward to hopefully making that relationship grow even stronger. 
Well, you know it's a big deal when Derek Carr shows up with sleeves on. That was <laughs> You're funny. Press conference with the Saints over the weekend, but he wanted Michael Thomas to stay, and Michael Thomas staying on a one-year deal. It was 2019 where he had a record-setting season. Week one of the next year, suffered an ankle injury and just career spiraled out of control after that. Still with the Saints though on a one-year deal. We'll see how it goes for uh, the Saints with new quarterback. Uh, still a couple of years post Sean Payton and a one-year contract for Michael Thomas as but he man. tries to, to reestablish himself as one of the best receivers in the NFL. Right? I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's like we were literally in the midst of, is he the best receiver in football? And then it went to, wait, we haven't seen him in three years. Uh, it is. We got to see last year, you know, he played this game right here that we're watching the highlights of the Falcons game. He's still a force. He's still big contested catches can run routes break tackles and it, it him having him back for a year mike it does make me like it, it makes you think a little bit differently of the the saints because you just go whoa okay damn that damn offensive line you know there's still alvin Kamara, right i mean they re-signed Jawan johnson chris olavi rashid shaheed who was dangerous last year you couple that with michael thomas the defense they got you go why can't, if the Derek Carr can play good football, why can't the Saints be a real contender in the NFC? Uh, so that, that was uh, interesting that, that came about yesterday. I, I did not think he was going to be back with the Saints. It's a pleasant surprise for Derek Carr and the New Orleans fan base. NFC South, wide open. All Man. this talk about, you know, the AFC East, how it's rising. The NFC South is kind of a wasteland right now, and anyone can take it over, whether it's going to be the Panthers, the Buccaneers, Falcons, Saints, who knows? And the Saints may be in as good as a position as anyone this year to try to win that division and get the guaranteed home playoff game, and you get that guaranteed home playoff game at the Superdome. doesn't matter how good that wild card team is. It's coming in. It's still going to be a long day to try to beat the Saints in their own building so that's the news out of new orleans the news out of detroit is running back david montgomery making the jump from the bears to the lions on a three-year deal at a time when jamal williams a free agent who had 17 rushing touchdowns last year led the league montgomery in chris uh and it it sure feels like jamal williams won't be back after having that career year in year six of his NFL exploits. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be back. Of course not. No, I think this contract officially ends that. They got DeAndre Swift is their best, most talented running back on their team, but he's had some injury problems. He did last year. So, you know, this is not only a good combination between, yeah, DeAndre Swift and Montgomery. Montgomery, you know, a little bit bigger power base. Swift, a little bit more, you know, explosive, can make big plays that way. But still a good combination. And it's a team we know. They want to run the ball. Dan Campbell, they're going to be physical. They got one of the better O-lines in football. Montgomery is an upgrade from Jamal Williams. Yeah, he had a lot of rushing touchdowns. We know that, you know. Uh, but I'm not the kind of guy that sits here and goes, oh, my gosh, you know, all these one- and two-yard touchdown runs, what will we do without them? Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's, I think, a good amount of guys that, that can punch some of those ones in the end zone for sure. Montgomery, damn good player, quick for his size. We've seen him do some damn good stuff there in Chicago with not necessarily the greatest offensive line in front of him the whole time. And I – it's it's sad that Jamal Williams will be gone yeah. as the Lions continue their ascent. Uh, he could land 
with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, his teammate in Green Bay for four years. There's been talk of the Bills, even the Bengals, which is confusing because Joe Mixon is still there. And that's the other thing while I'm in the vicinity because we're going to head in that direction momentarily as it relates to Dalvin Cook. Today's the day where everybody's got to get their cap affairs in order. And uh, this is the day where, you know, there are bonus payments that come due either today or in the next couple of days, guarantees vest. Right. We're getting very close to the point where there's going to be a potential onslaught of recognizable names thrown overboard. Joe Mixon could have an issue in Cincinnati. We've been keeping an eye on that ever since he fell significantly behind Samaj Pirine, who has since exited Cincinnati for Denver, I believe, but yeah. the touches in the in the final playoff game not indicative of Mixon's role in that offense. What are they going to do about his eight figure salary? So just keep your eyes open uh, because there will be some names over the next few days where you're like, uh oh, I didn't know that guy was in trouble, and he's going to be out of a job. Yeah, no, it, it goes back to the conversation we were just having a little bit ago: the brutal reality of this position. Right? Oh, yeah, you finally got paid. Okay, yeah, all right, we killed you for two years. Now we want to kind of, okay, we don't want to pay you anymore. It, it, it is. It's tough. The Joe Mixon one, um, I'm, I'm really interested. I mean, we know what they got on the radar there with the Cincinnati Bengals and some of the contracts they got coming up. We know that. But you know, they're not exactly deep at that position either. And, you know, I'd like to think, okay, wait, they got somebody else or somebody else they can trust here, but there's nobody there that you look at that can certainly fill that role, especially with Samaj P. Ryan gone. Uh, so I don't, I don't know where that goes. I would have thought, like, Mixon was gone for sure and maybe they re-signed Samaj P. Ryan, but the way it stands right now, I'm not sure what, what happens there in that one, Mike. Dalvin Cook falls into that category yeah. as well of just watching and monitoring. And I hope that the Vikings don't move on from him, but $10.4 million salary. He's got a $2 million guarantee that vests on Friday. And my understanding is, you know, that money's already injury guaranteed and that shoulder would keep him from passing a physical, which means that $2 million is going to be owed to him. So if they are going to make a move, they're still going to likely owe him $2 million. But would they trade him to another team? That would be a way to avoid the $2 million. There's been some chatter along those lines. But as we said, this is a guy who's got, what, six years into the NFL now, eight-figure salary for 2023. It's, it's just harder for teams to justify, no matter how good the player is. And Dalvin Cook's great. And again, I hope he stays put. I hope hope they work something out but you've got every year every year that crop of guys right out of college and as i've said time and again every major college has a guy who could play running back at the nfl level as long as he can hold on to the football and he can trust him to pick up blitzers they'll create the hole and guys can hit it and they can run there's going to be that guy from everything there just the supply outweighs the demand and that could affect Mixon. it could affect cook and it's something that could play out in the next few days yeah possibly it, as soon as today for a guy like Mixon. it it, it could but i i kind of like lean lean your way as far as what you're saying about dalvin cook now the shoulder is a big thing and where they think he how durable can he be and is that going to be an issue but if you're somewhat confident that that's going to be okay Dalvin Cook still one of the, the better running backs in football. I think you would agree with that. You're the Vikings expert. I bow to you there. But you know, like you've always said, you know, there, there's, there's very few guys that I think you're going to be able to get in the draft where you just go, oh, they're as good as Dalvin Cook right away. And it's not a huge price tag for what they got. 
Uh, I don't know. That's one where I, I guess I'm expecting him to stay there when all said and done. Yeah, and I don't know if they convert some of that salary to bonus in yeah. order to reduce the cap number and he still gets his money or he he reduces his salary and builds in some incentives if he has uh, another big year. But he has been one of the best running backs in football, and hopefully they find a way to work that out. The Chargers and Austin Eckler have issues that they haven't worked out because he sought permission to find a trade elsewhere, and he's received permission from the Chargers to go out there and and see if there's someone else that would give the Chargers what they would want for him and give Eckler what he wants. At the core of this isn't, I just want to play for a new team. At the core of it is, I want more money than I'm being paid. Right. And his agents may have reason to think there is someone out there ready to offer him more than what the Chargers are paying him and give the Chargers whatever they would want. But now that process can begin without any tampering. My guess is the tampering has already happened. Now the Chargers have given their blessing to any negotiations that may result in Austin Eckler changing team. Yeah, well, he's gotten to that point again, back to our prior conversation of like, okay, I'm at a point in my career where I got to get paid and it's it's not going to be continuing to go up my trajectory here. If anything, it's going to plateau or start to go down. So I want to start being paid for my services and I'm not a real big running back and I touch the ball a lot. Right. So I get that totally. It seems like they don't want to pay him. Plus, I could see them having a little bit of different philosophy with the new offense and Kellen Moore. You know, Austin Eckler, you know, in your perfect role, you want to, he want you want him to be in a passing offense. You know, you, like like a team we just talked about. He'd be great with the Bengals. Oh, hey, Joe Burrow, it's you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and he's looking downfield. Oh, underneath there's Austin Eckler. Boom. He worked somebody like the Arizona Cardinals. We know they're gonna spread the field. He's not necessarily your like typical bell cow guy. You'd like to be in an offense that's yeah, gonna throw it a lot, be in space. That's where he can really thrive. Um, so we'll see if there's a, a market out there or somebody that's willing to to make him uh you know, an offer that, that makes sense for him and the Chargers, and they can get it done. We'll see. He's in the final year of his contract at a salary of only $6.25 million. So clearly he wants that to increase, and he doesn't want to have to play out this year and then go through the whole process when he's got an additional season of wear and tear and another year of age. And he's already, I think, 28. So yeah, right. uh, now's the time for him to strike, and the Chargers are giving him a chance to do it. Let's take a break. When we return... The Panthers will be drafting a quarterback coming up in a month or so. Until then, they need others on the depth chart. They have one. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Carolina Panthers are going to have a new starter when the draft comes and goes. Until then, Andy Dalton, apparently QB1. Remember when Andy Dalton was QB1? In Chicago a couple of years ago. Was that him? He was QB1 before they drafted Justin Fields, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Now he's QB1 in Carolina, at least for now. Poor Matt Corral. That guy's just been forgotten. So it's Corral, it's Dalton, and it's whoever they emerge from the draft with. And, hey, they could do worse than Dalton. He played he played fairly well last year. Uh, and, and I admire the guy for hanging around. He's hanging around. He's hanging around. He's, he's made big money. He had a contract with Cincinnati that wasn't quite market value, but, you know, he's done okay. He could walk away anytime he wants. And kind of like Joe Flacco, hanging around, still playing, still loves the sport, still wants to be part of it, and now will be a Carolina Panther. Yeah, it, it's the perfect situation for, for him and, and I think the Carolina Panthers. You know, they're going to draft a quarterback at number one. 
and now they don't have the pressure of, wait, we have to throw him out there right away. He gives them a little wiggle room to, okay, hey, our rookie is you know coming along a little slower than we like. We could start Andy Dalton to start the year. Or even if there's some bumps in the road and he gets injured or doesn't play well for a few weeks, you got a guy like Andy Dalton who's played and done a lot of good things, like you said. So he certainly fills that role. Frank Reich you know, can trust him to run the offense, do things that way, and then also help kind of develop and, and, and tutor the new quarterback that's going to be you know, the starter there in Carolina for a long time. Nine years with the Bengals, and since then it's been Cowboys for a year, Bears for a year, Saints for a year, and now Carolina Panthers. We'll take a break. When we return, a draft of the most intriguing free agents who still remain available. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. Well, here we are, not even 48 hours into the negotiating period, and a lot of the free agents have committed, even though they can decommit. They have at least verbally expressed intention to sign their contracts. Not many big names left. We're going to draft the most intriguing free agents who remain, whether they're unrestricted free agents or guys who were cut or guys who were free agents as of a year ago and still haven't been signed like Odell Beckham. Chris, you're up first. Well, I think uh, I'll go. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. I'm just, you know... Where's he going to end up? What role is he going to end up? You know, end up in you know wherever that is. Is it going to be a starter? Is he going to be a backup? I know people have linked him to Tampa. Makes sense. That's a good spot. I I, I certainly see that. You know, uh, but I certainly you know is that going to happen now uh, or in the next you know day or so? I'll be interested to see. But uh, Baker Mayfield still has starting caliber type talent. And I, I, he, the NFL is not going to write him off here quite yet. And he's always been extremely confident in his abilities. And maybe one of the reasons he doesn't have a deal is, is like some of these other guys we've discussed over the past couple of days, he wants more than what is out there. Maybe he could have gone to the Raiders. He wants more possibly than what's out there for him. And that leads me to Orlando Brown, guy who we thought as of a week or so ago could be franchise tagged for the second time by the Chiefs. They decide not to do it. He's available for anyone who wants him, and he hasn't signed. And we're 48 hours almost into it, and the big money starts to dry up, and there's a question of left tackle versus right tackle, and could he still come back and play for the Kansas City Chiefs at a lower number? It's just kind of swirling, and he's teetering close to, Chris, what I think is going to be one-year deal territory and do it again next year. It, it, it certainly seems like we're going that way. I, I mean, that would have been my next pick, too. Too, Mike uh, that that uh, I almost wanted to make that number one but I was afraid you might take Baker Mayfield so I, I didn't do it but uh, I mean I'm, I'm shocked we're at this point too you know especially with what they traded how well he played the Super Bowl all of that you added into it I, I think it is uh, it's kind of shocking there all right the next one I'm gonna go to we kind of hit on this name a little earlier but Chauncey Gardner Johnson you know a guy that the Eagles traded for uh, last year got him from the New Orleans Saints I'm surprised. You know, one, he's got unbelievable intensity. He's a guy that you know he's on the field, and it makes a defense, like, more ferocious. And I think he's one of the better safeties in football. I'm, I'm kind of shocked something hasn't been, you know, put out there yet or a deal hasn't got done. I don't know what he's asking for, but there's certainly some guys that are making a lot of money at that position where I go, he's better than them. I know that. I'm going to go next with uh, Adam Thielen. Just because 
I really am curious and intrigued, ergo the title of the draft, as to what he's got left. He's visiting the Panthers today. And when you see the reports that get put out there, Adam Thielen visiting the Panthers today still has plenty of gas in the tank. That's part of the quid pro quo for getting the text from the agent about the visit. How much gas is left in the tank? For Adam Thielen, I just I, I can't help but wonder. And I thought when the Vikings cut him, he maybe already had something lined up behind door number two. Why else would you leave Minnesota? So intriguing to see who wants him. And then when it's time to play, can he do what he used to do during his best years of his career? Let's take a break. We'll do round three right after this. All right, there are the picks so far. Most intriguing remaining free agents a couple of days in to the annual shopping process. Chris, who do you have? Round uh, three. I, I mean, OBJ. I, I think that's that's the one that you know where my mind goes. I mean, one, yeah, it's OBJ. It's this is a we saw when he's healthy and you know when he was in the prime of his career. It was one of the greatest talents I've ever seen in the history of the sport. You know, he's a, a game changer on and off the field. Uh, but where is he at? How good can he still be? Who's going to offer him real money? You and I have both heard the same things, and he's put it out there about the $20 million a year type of thing, right? I don't think he's going to get that. So with all those factors, he he's one of the most intriguing free agents. Especially given that he's on the Aaron Rodgers New York Jets That's wish right. list. Does right. he take less to hook up with Rodgers, the best quarterback he could play with right now other than Patrick Mahomes, which, frankly, he should be thinking about the Chiefs. And speaking of the Chiefs, I'm going to go off the board here. Okay. We've got a list of potential candidates. Juju Smith-Schuster's on it. Mecole Hardman isn't. I remember we had Mecole Hardman with us in L.A. the week before the Super Bowl. He was going into that contract year. The guy still has some skills, and he's just kind of been forgotten, completely forgotten. So I know. Does he end up back in Kansas City? Does he go somewhere else? He's a guy to keep an eye on. We'll be back tomorrow to break down all the activity from today. Thanks for some of your time. See ya. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 